0: up everybody welcome back to another episode of murph in the mage with tino rodriguez what? that is right everybody we have added a third member to our family mr tino rodriguez tino welcome to the show
1: you nailed the intro let's just start with that hell of a job mage off the rip i love it we're starting off on the right foot with that uh well you know what answer.
0: Tino? It, they don't just give these jobs to uh just anybody
1: so. <laughs> well i'm happy to be here i'm humbled that you guys asked me to join the show it's awesome and uh yeah i'm glad to be a part of it i hope i'm welcomed into the family with open arms i know how joining families can be sometimes we all got that one guy in the family we don't necessarily want around all the time so like murph so I'm sure you guys like us yeah hey As long as I'm (laughs) on someone's team. That's all that matters.
0: Well, you know what? The good thing about us is that we are like a large Italian dysfunctional family. So, look, we're going to have our disagreements. We're going to hate each
1: other. But at the end of the day, we got each other's back. And that's all that matters to me. Hate's a strong word. It's a strong word. But I do believe we might get to that line at some point. But you're right. Either way, uh, we are family. hate family. I hate not I'm not there yet. Uh, yeah, but, exactly. you know, you
2: can't pick your family, right? But
1: we can exactly. pick you,
2: and you're the Giants fan, bro. So welcome aboard. I- I'm happy you're coming on. You know, as growth is a good thing, always. So we're excited to have Tino
0: be part of the show. If you haven't listened before, we have done episodes with Tino in the past. Tino has been on our podcast. We have also been on Tino's podcast as well. So let's go ahead and get this episode started by simply saying, I am The Mage. You can find me on Twitter, at Mage underscore NFL. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at
2: Murph and The Mage. Murph, say what's up to the people. Tell them where you're from. What's going on, guys? As always, you can find me at OneMurphBlue on Twitter. Um, Obviously, Mage already covered the rest, but no, man, I'm excited. We got a new... New uh, partner to add to the Wolfpack.
1: We're going to work on, I know we talked prior to this about the adjustment, but maybe the Twitter handle has to change. I don't know. I think I might (laughs) be on the outside looking in on that one. We'll talk about it. Well, well, you know what? While you're at it, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you as well, brother. Yeah, absolutely. Nice and easy on Twitter at Tino Rodriguez. There's two underscores after that. And I just want to note, my last name's Rodriguez. I am very much Italian. So the Italian family thing still works. It was going to throw some people off see a Rodriguez and say he's Italian. and We got to make sure the people know where I'm coming from, the roots of Hudson County, right, Maj?
0: Absolutely. Yes, Hudson County. So it's good to have somebody in my own neck of the woods join the show. Murph is from Syracuse, but he is a transplant, so he no longer lives in the New York area. Anyway, Tino, I mean, what's up, man? Honestly, I'm so excited about this. I mean, we have done episodes in the past. You had filled in for Murph at one point, and we had so much – like just back and forth about sports. It felt so natural. And that episode went almost two fucking hours. Like we actually had to trim it down.
1: And imagine um, if Murph was a part of it. Just think about how much longer it would have went. Well, actually <laughs> maybe not that much longer. Your editing would
2: have been longer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Either way, man. Yeah. It was a great time coming on um, and filling in again. That was another time that I was humbled to uh, jump in for you guys and kind of pick up where he left off. And, you guys have come on the show and showed love as well. And that's that's kind of where the relationship started. And I'm glad that I actually reached out to you guys and just happened to be in the situation. I was looking for people to uh, kind of help me out and boost my show up to uh, the Believe in New York football podcast. We're going to still kind of keep it afloat. But at the same time, we're just going to filter all our sports talk over here. We'll do some giant stuff, obviously, on both sides. But We're going to try to talk about all angles of uh, New York sports here, especially with baseball coming up uh, at the end of the month. Yeah, right.
0: So we do actually have some baseball coming up. And the other thing that you do on the New York football pod as well that Murph hates to do here is that you actually talk Jets. So being a New York variety uh, sports talk, we want to be able to get more involved with that. So you do bring some of that to the table. So tell the listeners about a little bit about yourself and what you do bring to the table, a little bit about what you did, what you cover.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, to start and roll back, I was a big J journalist. That's kind of what I got my degree in. So I chased that dream for a while, was a sports reporter covering Army football. That's why uh, the Believe in New York football podcast has some Army in it as well. After that didn't necessarily work as well as I thought it was going to work, uh, started gambling. Uh, well, yeah, I guess I gambled first, but I was a gambling writer is what I transitioned over to. <laughs> I told you, you're Italian. Yes. Well, you can't have one without the other. So I'm a, I was a gambling writer for the last three, four years. Obviously, COVID has hit, so I haven't been able to write too often, but you will hear a lot of fantasy talk. Obviously, me and you, Mage, are in a few leagues together. Murph is in one with us as well, so there'll be some fantasy, uh, fantasy talk. We got tons of gambling content from me. Even if you don't want it, you'll probably get it anyway, so... Just be ready for it, and yeah, I'm I'm excited to uh, bring that all to the uh, show and talk shit with you guys. Hey,
0: and that's certainly what we're gonna do. We're gonna talk a lot of shit, especially Murph. Uh, he's just getting warmed up, so he's been a little docile today. But if uh, if you know anything about Murph, Murph
2: is officially the pit bull of Twitter. So I'm just ready for some sports, bro.
1: I think I saw live baseball the other day too. I've seen a lot of live baseball recently, actually. Well, that's because you're a gambling addict, but that, that makes sense. Well, I mean, well, I wasn't going to say in that sense. I'm not talking about Korean baseball, although I'm watching Korean baseball. <laughs> yes, you it's, are. It's, it has nothing to do with what I was going to talk about. All right. I was going to say that the teams are on the field and there's a lot of live uh, simulated action going on. So it's a bit of a spring training kind of feel. You know, the things are getting back to normal. For the Mets fans out there, Brandon Nimmo's running over to first base on walks and simulated games. It's like it's like we never left because by this time of the season, if we did have a season, it'd be past the home run derby all-star game time right now. So that's all I can think about what we're missing out on.
0: I'll tell you what, the great thing about having sports back, baseball, basketball would be getting started up eventually too, is the fact that. I have an excuse now not to leave that house on weekends. I don't have to feel so bad about it, um, yeah. You know, with everything going on with the whole COVID situation, so having sports back certainly helps.
2: It, it's crazy, Meijer knows. I, I put a tweet out on this earlier. I think I've only turned on my TV like 10 to 15 times this COVID man, because there's no damn sports. Like I literally, I live if I fuel off it. If I'm not watching sports, I'm most likely outside or something. But we're doing this jerk off shit with Meijer, but. Damn, man, I need it back.
1: Why are you putting our business out like that? <laughs> There's so many questions to what he just said. <laughs> so what do you do outside if you don't turn on the TV? You just sit out there for hours at a time? I don't know. I, well, I'm usually playing with the dogs. or saying that's a large window of no messing, sport. Messing with <laughs> some kind of time. shit.
2: <laughs> Doing projects, man. Home projects.
1: Yeah, I've been getting into Doing that stuff too. stuff in my back,
2: backyard and stuff like I mean, not fun stuff. I'd rather be watching some sports, but I can't sit around, dude. I, I can sit around for sports, but that's about it.
0: Yeah, I don't mind it, but I certainly miss having something to do each weekend, too. I mean, especially, um, you know, being a family, man, it, it it's pretty rough. Everybody's sitting in the house on top of each other, I'm pretty sure. You know, my kids are going backwards uh, at this point, so. Uh, I'm, I'm just ready for all this to be over, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to baseball. I'm looking forward to football. I'm hoping that there's a season. Or I'm
1: hoping that there's just sports in general. That's what I'm looking at, too. I kind of just want to cross the threshold of sports actually happening. Like, seeing all this stuff is great, but I just wanted to come together, at least one of the leagues to come together, because they're all so close at this point. The NBA is at the end of the month as well. All right, so Tino's going to join us
0: for his first Dog Days of Summer series, Tino. We got the Jets on, uh,
1: ready to go. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm ready to go. I hope I All do. All right,
0: right. This is your wheelhouse, so let's go. Joining us to preview the New York Football Jets is Tim from the Broto Fantasy Football Podcast. Tim, Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you for coming on. Really appreciate you doing this, man. I know we've been connected for quite some time on Twitter through fantasy football. Found out that you were a Jets fan and uh, need to have you on. So, thank you.
3: I, I always love uh, an opportunity to talk about my New York Jets. It's, uh, I'm a Mets fan. I'm a Jets fan. I'm a Knicks fan. Oh, nice. So, I, I feel like I've gotten used to the, the, the pain. I'm kind of like a masochist at this point. So, I love talking about my love of the losers.
1: Mets and Jets. Not to cut you off, Mage. But, see, that's – I mean, you choose that path. That's a, that's a tough path to – stay with for this long I mean you have every right if you wanted to go but I give you credit for sticking with that Mets and Jets uh, duo
3: I'm hoping a 60 game season will finally be the answer to my prayers but we'll and, and
2: then you add the Knicks on top of that man it's yeah. just like the dagger to the heart <laughs> I was thinking about that earlier I just I feel for some of y'all even though I love to give Jets fans shit
3: if I, don't, there was- I don't rag on the
2: Mets as much
3: if there was one team I could get myself to leave, it would be the Knicks, just because I hate Jim Dolan so much. But uh, I already left, man. You can yeah. ask Beige. I refuse to talk about <laughs> the NBA, man. Like, I get it, man. I get it.
0: Yeah, so Tino, Tino and I are actually both Mets fans as well, despite um rooting for the Giants. So I'm with you. I think a 60-game season will do the Mets some good, you know? I mean, we always get off to a hot start. It's the middle of the season that, that kills us, so.
1: We have yeah. a tough uh, strength of schedule, but I think the 60-game schedule and the DH is going to help us a lot. It's going to shorten our, our – we'll get to rely on our rotation the way we should. And if our bullpen just stops blowing games, I, I think the writing's on the wall for us.
3: Well, Familia lost, lost like 25 pounds or something like that, so he looks good. And, uh, yeah, having Cano and Cespedes kind of being DH eligible and having them not play the field as often, it's, it's, it's going to be a, a good situation.
2: All right, y'all are making me sick with all this Mets talk. <laughs> You're going to make me even more sick with all the Jets talk, but we got, we got to get into this, man. So, you know, with us three kind of being in, tied into the New York pipeline a little bit, we see a lot of Jets talk. How, how are you guys feeling over at Brodo um, about Mr. Adam Gase leading this team? For me, there's a lot of hate out there on him, and uh, I'm just kind of curious to see what your take is.
3: Well, I mean, I'm, I'm iffy. Uh, I'm Greek, right? So we, we call it etiquette on, on, on Adam Gates. It's just like I, I like some things. I don't like other things. I think overall he does get a bad rap, in my opinion. Um, the, where he comes from, his coordinator background, like he did take a very old Peyton Manning and take him to heights that he had never seen before. At the end of the day, though, it's Peyton Manning. He did give Jay Cutler the best, best years of his career, um, the best year of his career. And then he goes over to Miami to become head coach. And a lot of people forget that 24 of the 48 games that he coached with Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill, wasn't the quarterback. And if you look at Adam Gates as a head coach with a starting quarterback, that includes with the Jets and with the Dolphins, um, both Ryan, T- Ryan Tannehill and Sam Darnold, he is a winning coach in his career. So I think he does get a bad rap in terms of um, people say that he's the thing standing in the way. Um, I I think that I want to see him in the second year. I'm looking forward to having him with some familiarity with the young kids. We have a very young roster, especially uh, obviously starting with the quarterback. So I'm I'm excited to see him in that second year.
1: So speaking of the young quarterback though, now obviously you don't want to keep changing the head coach because you got the young offense and you want to keep that mesh together. But at the same time, is he on a short leash? I mean, Darnold obviously hasn't played a full season yet, but are you a little concerned that maybe if Darnold does play 16 games, Gase isn't going to get him to the point where you would expect him in his third year as an NFL quarterback?
3: I definitely think he's a short leash right now. Short leash. Like you got to remember like Sam Darnold last year, how many obstacles did this guy face? First of all, he was pressured 42% of his dropbacks. That's a ridiculous number that for anyone, especially a kid who's 22 years old. He was only 22 years old last year, younger than Joe Burrow, the number one pick this year. He got mono, another thing that 22-year-olds do. So, like, he had all these obstacles, plus his number one receiver was Robbie Anderson, who couldn't catch a contested pass in his life, dependent on it. Now we have a real GM in, in place in Joe Douglas. He is trying to secure the offensive line, which is the offensive line, four out of five new starters on the offensive line, including a first-round draft pick. So it, now you bring in also Brashad Perriman. You have Chris Herndon coming back. So you, you draft Denzel Mims, Denzel Mims as well. I think it is a short lease from Adam Gase. I think that if Sam Darnold doesn't take a step forward this year, then that's a, a big-time problem. The thing is, with Sam Darnold, I expect him to make that step forward. Now, I am a Jets fan, so I am a little biased. But watching him play, I haven't seen, as a Jets fan, someone play with his skill level, possibly ever. Uh, maybe Chad Pennington, before he, he got his arm tore off twice, maybe that's the last time I saw someone with that skill level play. And he made a great jump in the second half. In the second half, 13 touchdowns against four picks, a 93.5 QB rating. So he's showing that progression that you want to see, and you, but he's going to have to take that into the, next, into the next chapter. Because if not, Adam Gase... I'd rather get a guy like Eric Bienemy in here who has had offensive success if you can't do that. Now, if Adam Gates can make something happen, because we know Greg Williams made something happen to the defense last year, um, then, then, you know, longer leash. But we need to see progression uh, out of Sammy, for sure.
1: That's fair. So now, real quick, you talk about Robbie just not being able to catch contested passes. You didn't mention Lev Bell at all. Do you not think he's the main piece in that offense, or do you have to look at those younger weapons and the newer guys coming in to kind of take it to the next level because of his down year last year?
3: I think Lev's got to be the main piece of the offense, right? I, I, I think – but you gotta, we got to remember, when Lev was, was with the Steelers, he ran like no other back in the entire league. He was patient. He would wait for his blocks to come together, and then he'd make his moves. Unfortunately, last year, we had a – well, I say we, the Jets had a historically bad offensive line. Considering that fact, uh, he did have 3.2 yards per carry. That's unacceptable. He has to make that happen. He has to get that up a little bit. But considering the fact that he didn't play with a starting quarterback uh, for four games, plus in the first game, he, he was feeling the effects of mono. Then you had that New England game. Putting all that together plus a, a crappy offensive line – and you kind of understand that Lev Bell wasn't himself. And he also missed an entire year last year. So I do expect Lev Bell to maybe bounce back a little bit behind an improved offensive line and with more options on the outside in order to take some of that uh, attention and you know, double teaming away from him. Because last year you could tell teams were focusing on him and just selling out, especially in games when uh, Darnold missed him. Tim, I
0: have one quick question for you uh, from a fantasy perspective.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, how do you feel about the Michael P. Ryan this year uh, with the animosity that seems to exist between Adam Gase and Lev Bell? I'm a fantasy guy. Most of us here are fantasy guys. Tell me I'm making the right decision by drafting him late.
3: Uh, I think if you have Lev Bell, you should draft him late. Um, if you're in a deep league, you should draft him late. Um, but in a standard redraft twelve man league, like with, with a four or five with a five six man bench, um, I don't think that he's someone that should be should be drafted at the, at this moment. But I do think he becomes extremely valuable if Lev Bell goes down with an injury. But yeah, um, we focus mostly on
0: dynasty. So you so you're like uh, in the buy and dynasty leagues, then.
3: Yeah, especially because dynasty has such deep bench spots. Like it, you listen. A fourth-round pick on a, on a running back is, is high draft capital these days. So, um, And the guy had a lot of, a lot of success in, in college. So,
2: yeah, yeah, I like that. So I'm going to go out on a little limb here. not the biggest Sam Darnold fan, but somebody did put it into pretty good perspective for me recently, actually. He does play for the Jets, no offense. Not and naked. he just really hasn't had that much help around him. So I'll give him the edge in that, and I'll still give him a chance. And I still think he can be good. Um, A lot of that does come down to Gase, but who else is going to help him out on this offense as far as tight ends and wide receivers go? You know, we're expecting big things out of Jameson Crowder, but w- what about after that?
3: Yeah, I think I think in terms of wide receivers, Jameson Crowder, you saw him, in, him and Darnold had a good rapport last year, and he makes his living with those underneath routes. Uh, he's going to be reliable. Here's two guys that I think could be – I don't want to say studs because it's a little too early, but – exceed expectations I think Brashad Perriman look you got to remember Brashad Perriman former number one draft pick so he has that that kind of um draft capital that that you love to see now he didn't work out with the Ravens but you got to remember what he was dealing with with the Ravens you're dealing with a very vanilla offense now don't take the Ravens when Lamar Jackson is in before Lamar Jackson got drafted They were one of the most vanilla eight and eight written all over them type offenses. Joe Flacco was one of the worst quarterbacks when it came to air yards per attempt. And Brashad Perriman is a vertical threat. He's not going to beat you with his, um, with his ability to make cuts uh, with even his yards after the catch. Although he was good at that uh, with Tampa Bay last year, he is a vertical threat. He's a guy that could stretch the field. Uh, So when you look at those Ravens teams, uh, they had over the three years that Brashad Perriman was there, he underperformed, but at the same time, only one guy had just over 1,000 yards, and that was Mike Wallace. They weren't, they weren't a prolific passing offense in any sense of the word. Then you, he goes over to the Buccaneers last year, and he finally gets a shot. He gets, in the last five games of the year, 509 uh, yards receiving, five touchdowns. And you're talking about a guy, yes, who airs it out in Jameis Winston, um, but at the same time, you saw a downgrade with the other receivers, uh, Scotty Miller and, and, and the bunch. But when, when, when Perriman took over that spot for Godwin slash Mike Evans, there was no downgrade. Uh, the, the offense kept rolling. I remember in fantasy, um, cause that's, you know, that's where I make my bread and butter, but in fantasy, Rashad Perriman was an every week start. Didn't miss a beat. Didn't miss a beat at all. And, you can, yeah, that does have something to do with Jameis. That has something to do with Bruce Arians. But at the same time, you can't discount something like that. So I think Rashad Perriman on a one-year deal after finally tasting that success is going to be very motivated. And then you got a guy like Denzel Mims who even before the draft, a uh, shout out to Brett Coleman. He has a fantastic YouTube channel. Broke down. Um, I did my homework on Denzel Mims because I hated him at first. Uh, I just don't believe in, spread-type receivers like, a, like the Baylor offenses. But you look into what Denzel Mims uh, did in college, and he literally has everything you need to succeed at the next level. Plus, the dude is tall. Plus, the dude is strong. He makes high points on catches. He makes the tough catch. He can jump with the best of them. So I really think Denzel Mims is also going to be a great addition. And Chris Herndon, I can't stress enough how the return of Chris Herndon uh, really affects the offense. In his rookie season, Chris Herndon had 500 yards receiving. And and you might be thinking, hey, what 500 yards, what is that? Only 29 rookie tight ends in the history of football in general had 500 yards receiving ever. So when you're looking at rookie tight ends, that is a phenomenal, phenomenal output. Uh, And Sam Donald loved throwing to him. And Sam Donald has shown – uh, right now, he struggles with the short passes, he struggles with the long passes, but he's elite at the intermediate 10 to 19-yard passes, especially in tight windows. He was one of the top quarterbacks in the league in getting those throws in in that intermediate section, and guys like Jameson Crowder and guys like Chris Herndon are going to help him with that. So I, I really do think that Chris Herndon is going to be a, a big-time big uptick from what we had last year, even though Ryan – Griffin, he, he did show he, – he showed some signs. So it's going to be nice to have some two uh, tight end sets where it's, you can throw a wrinkle against the defensive like
1: that. Well, the two tight end sets also help your running game, which was right. pretty putrid last year too. But now – all right, we talked about key additions. We're talking about offense. Let's go defense real quick. And a potential departure instead of an addition. What's going on with Jamal Adams? I don't even know if we want to get into the detail of how you feel if he's gone or what you're expecting from him. But let's just play the game where – if Jamal Adams isn't the head of that defense anymore, who do you turn to? Is it automatically C.J. Mosley?
3: I think so, right? Uh, and I, 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 let me say this, because I know you guys are New York sports-based, so I want to say this to all the fans out there, Jets fans. Shut up! Stop! Stop hammering this guy on Twitter. <laughs> look, look he, is, he is the chosen one. And, and I know this is not a, a, a popular take amongst Jets fans right now, but what he does is just so much more than what you can get out of a strong safety. Calling him a strong safety is like calling LeBron James a small forward. He's just so much more than that in Greg Williams system as well. Greg Williams loves to have that quarterback out in the field. He's that quarterback. According to sports info solutions, when he lines up at safety or cornerback yards uh, per attempt allowed and completion percentages, both fall significantly at linebacker. Tackles for loss and yards per carry drop significantly. In fact, Jamal Adams had 16 tackles for loss. You're talking about giving him $16 million or more. Only three defensive ends who make $16 million or more had more tackles for loss than Jamal Adams, the safety. When he's at edge, the pressure rate for the entire team goes up. He, like I said, he led all DBs and tackles for loss last season. He's the quarterback of that defense, and this, it starts with him. He makes the plays. He calls the audibles. He lines people up. He's one of the smartest people we've seen on the football field. And I think for Jets fans, we haven't had a player good enough to hold out since 2010. I, you know, during the pandemic, when there was nothing to watch, I started, I started uh, going on YouTube and, and looking back at the, uh, the Rex Ryan, um, uh, what's it, Hard Knocks episodes mm. and the whole Darrell Revis holdout and what that was like. And it's like, dude, look. I know you may not be liking what the guy says. Yes, he screamed out of a window that he wants to go to Dallas. But the only leverage he has is public pressure. He wants more money. He deserves more money. He's a smart dude. He's going to use it. And if you turn against him, then it's just going to drive him even farther away. So, guys, I know we're not used to having good players. I know that. Embrace it. We We deserve to pay him. We should pay him. And I think the Jets are going to pay him. I think the Jets are also playing this correctly. The fans know, but the Mm. Jets are playing this correctly. Hold. There's no reason for them to make a good – to make a a scene right now. There's no reason for them to jump the the wagon. Let it calm down. They want to give him 16. He wants 20. Meet him in the middle. Give him somewhere like 18. Give him what he deserves. I think that's what's going to end up happening.
0: So, Tim, let me ask you a question then because I actually had Tino on, and this was a topic of conversation when Murph was on vacation. So, and I call Jamal Adams probably the best safety in the league, but my co-host Murph reminded me about Derwin James, so I stand corrected. Derwin James is probably the best safety in the league. I say Jamal Adams is easily top three, number two. But $18 million for a safety, is that worth it? Especially with the inefficiencies that the Jets have on the offensive line. I know that they invested a little more assets to the offensive line this year. Also drafted Makai Becton. But let's face it, there's other areas in need for the New York Jets. Do you really have $18 million to spend on Jamal Adams, or do you think his production is replaceable?
3: First, at the moment, we have the fifth largest cap cushion in the league. Um, so I, I believe that we should use it. Uh, You're going to have to you know, pay Sam Darnold soon. And that's, and that's where this comes in. You got a quarterback on a rookie contract. This is the time. Hit – the gas. I don't know if I can curse on the the show. I don't know. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Yeah, you can. Hit the fucking gas. Go pedal to the metal right now. And when you're talking about a guy like this, he's more than a safety. Derwin James, you can argue, but Derwin James is more of a safety. Uh, Jamal Adams reminds me more than Derwin James, or some people are talking about Ed Reed, Troy Palomalo. He reminds me more of the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthews, Uh, And you saw what kind of impact the Honey Badger has on defenses when he goes to these places because he can do everything. And the Honey Badger's worth $14 million a year off two ACL surgeries, right? So you're talking about a guy who left the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals went to shit. He went to the Texans. The Texans defense rose up. After he left, they became middle of the pack again. Then he went from a horrible defense that kept the Chiefs from winning anything Two years ago, he goes on to the Chiefs. After they get rid of most of their uh, defensive stars, trade them away, he makes such a difference that they actually win the Super Bowl. I I feel like he is more in that Tyron Matthew role where he plays all over the field so much that he's irreplaceable. And look, with the Jets, right? Just Just to throw out some numbers. The Jets last year had the worst starting field position of any defense in the league because of how bad their offense was, but they still were fifth in yards per drive, fifth in yards per play, ninth in, in force, three and outs, seventh in first down the loud. This is despite them not having Avery Williamson, despite them not having, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know, is it, I'm blank, CJ Mosley, sorry. They're starting bless on Austin at cornerback. You bring in a guy like Pierre Desir now, this is a defense that has top five potential with Jamal Adams leading the charge. So even if you make a team-friendly deal where you kind of front load the contract, you make it easy to get rid of the contract later on when you do have to play Sam Darnold, I, I think that you have to pay the guy. I think he deserves it, and you got to pay him. I don't
2: really have much of a response to that. That's the true fan Outlook. That's what we've been looking for from all you Dog Days of Summers guys. That was like from the heart. He's definitely a Jamal Adams fan, isn't he? You're, you're not going to argue that Derwin James? No, no. I'm not going to argue that because this is about their outlook. I do think Derwin James is the more complete player. I get too much Landon Collin vibes from Jamal, man. I do. Uh, I, he's a great player at the line of scrimmage. He's a great downhill player for me, but i I, I can't. First of all, I can't give a safety that kind of money. But from a leadership standpoint, leadership is valuable. So I do understand what you're saying there. Um, I just I can't warrant paying that much money.
3: Here's here's safety. the only here's the only thing that I, w- I would say about that, right? Because he's also our veg, best edge player, right? Like I said, 16 tackles for loss last year behind the line of scrimmage, right? So. When you look at guys who are defensive ends, who are the guys you pay premium money to, right?
2: But Only... is is that because they lack that at the
3: premium positions? I, I think is that' why makes... Jamal is in those packages. It makes. Up I'm asking for... from the inside, outside. Oh behind. yeah, I mean, it makes up for a lot of deficiencies. I mean, they they have decent guys. Jordan Jenkins is decent. Henry Anderson is decent. But these guys aren't going to disrupt disrupt the backfield like that. But I, I really do believe, like, kind of like in the, the Honey Badger role, I think he's more than a safety. I think, like I said, calling, calling Jamal Adams a, a strong safety is like calling LeBron James a small forward. Uh, like, he's, he's exceptional at zone coverage. He's, he could be a better man-to-man. Uh, but he reads plays before they even happen. And he is the quarterback. It, he, it's like he's a fortune teller. He's the quarterback. He lines guys up, and you can't you can't replace a guy like that and expect to be in the same spot especially on a young team that's trying to take a step forward this how, many, be a, how many how many force fumbles Oof, i don't have, those just I don't have a stop give me a rough a rough estimate like
1: six probably something one. like that especially so, so if he
2: has six force fumbles he's got two
1: picks i just got to see more he's had turnovers two as
2: well though so he, he does and one of them, them is those off,
1: turnovers
3: right off us we won't talk about that shit though.
1: yeah no my uh, brother my brother yeah, brings it up year. a lot
3: my brother brings that up a lot with the turnovers. Uh, I just
2: got to see more if you're paying total. him elite money. Because Honey Badger, I mean, I, I can't speak off the top of my head right here, but I, to my knowledge, I think Honey Badger probably has a little bit more of a turnover ratio
3: than that. For sure. I mean, I, look, he's not a perfect guy, right? But He, he, needs, to, he needs to be more of a hawk. But I also believe that when you're looking at the guys around him, you got bless on Austin and, and Harrison as your cornerbacks. Those guys aren't aren't sticking guys. I think when Pierre Desir comes in, who's you know he's not an elite guy, but he's a he's a very solid cornerback. Uh, I think you'll see more of a of him able to hawk a little bit more. It, it, he, Hawking is not really his thing though. I and I don't mind I don't mind the lack of turnovers if he's going to create um, like he creates turnovers by forcing by forcing third down third down stops. You know what I mean? Like that's how he creates his turnovers. So um, yeah, I. I Like I said, I haven't seen a guy with this much talent on the defensive side of the ball in a Jets uniform since Darrell Revis.
1: That's fair. Hey, I'm just going to chime in. I've been trying to say that this is down the middle. I don't need to talk about how big of a Jamal Adams fan I am as well. It's two and two on this side. And I get your analogy a thousand percent because he is the captain of that defense. What worries me, and I try to sympathize for the Jets fans, I just worry that they're not going to pay him. I know they should pay him. That's the more frightening part for me. they The whole thing started last year at the trade deadline with Dallas, and then they push him to the edge and push him to the edge, and now he's starting to stir the pot himself. It's just, I don't know. To me, I don't know if they're necessarily doing the right thing because he's clearly unhappy. He's the type of person, if he's unhappy, you're going to hear about it. I just worry that if they wanted to make him happy, they would have done it by now, and the fact that they haven't is – it's alarming. I, I think the team has to kinda take a step back and look like look at what they have around them if they don't have Jamal Adams. And you're right, pay the man, he deserves it. I just worry they're not.
3: I think that's a that's a man who's watched Mike Tannenbaum and John Itzik and the rest of the GMs come through here. Uh, I I believe in Joe. I think that Joe is a patient man. I think that I think he, so. he you know, he also he built a Super Bowl winning defense. Well, he helped build the Super Bowl winning defense around a safety, Jordan Jenkins. Um, Not Jordan Jenkins, uh, Malcolm Jenkins.
1: But he's mending a lot of fences too, and that is true, and Jamal Adams does like Joe Douglas. But that relationship with Adam Gase that we talked about in the beginning is something that is concerning. Because it started with Lev, who is a high-paid player on that team. He was talking about getting rid of him off the jump. So I think, and I talked about this with these guys earlier, it's that – other people see how you treat your highest paid players or your best players. And sometimes if you're going to be Jamal Adams level, good. Do you want to be in a franchise that doesn't necessarily appreciate their best players sometimes? So, you know, it's tough. They're they're in no man's land right now.
3: That much, that much. I'm very, I'm very nervous about too, because Adam Gates also has a history of not getting along with his best players. Uh, Even in Miami where he, he got put Kenyon Drake, Kenyon Drake in a doghouse. Um,
1: Look where Tannehill is now. I mean, let's be real, you know? I mean, he's really flourished in another system as well.
3: Yeah. So that that does that does worry me. That does even Devontae Parker. You're talking about a guy who for four years couldn't do anything and then has a, a big breakout the year that Gase has gone. So that that is a worrying factor for sure.
0: All right, Tim. Are you ready to give us your win loss, win-loss predictions? I'm ready. All right. I'm always ready. Always ready. I like it. All right. So kick off the
3: week one at Buffalo. Uh, Week one at Buffalo, I'm going to say probably an L there uh, just because it's on the road. Um, First week, you don't know what you're getting. Uh, Buffalo, usually we we split with. I'm going to say L there.
0: Week two, home versus the defending NFC champions, the San Francisco 49ers.
3: Another L. We start off 0-2, but that's all right. All right. Week three at Indianapolis. Uh, I like us for a win there uh, in Indianapolis. I- I'm not sure about uh, Phillip Rivers at this point in his career. Uh, that was a very talented Chargers team that he kind of sunk last year all by himself. So I'm not, I'm not a big fan of him going to the new, the new digs.
2: All right.
0: Week four, Thursday night, primetime versus the Denver Broncos at home.
3: Another W. I think that you got Drew Locke there who's going to who's who's go, who I like Drew Locke personally, but I think he's gonna have his bumps. And, and I really do think that this Jets defense is with if Jamal Adams plays. Now that's a big if. Uh, if Jamal Adams plays, I think that uh, they're gonna be a top five defense. And they're a defense that I'm targeting in fantasy right now. Uh, that's that like I said, that's where I make my bread and butter. So uh, I think they're going to be a top five defense, and young quarterbacks are snacks for top five defenses. All right. Week
0: five, stay home versus the Arizona Cardinals.
3: Yeah, I like another W on that one as well. Um, the Cardinals just don't match up well against the Jets. Uh, high-paced offense. I think the Jets' defense is built uh, to to guard against kind of the, the, high, the high-paced offense. So I think that the defense, again, ekes that one out. All right, week six at the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm going to say again, another W there uh, at the Chargers. Either, either Tyrod Taylor or a young rookie quarterback who was prone to mistakes in, in Oregon. So hard to imagine he's going to kick those mistakes uh, so early in the season. All right, week seven, rematch at home versus the Buffalo Bills. Like I said, we usually split with the Bills. I'm going to give, us, I'm gonna give the, us and the Bills a home-and-home split. All right.
0: Week eight, at the defending Super Bowl champions, Kansas City Chiefs. I got $500 million on a L L there.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Week nine, home, Monday night, primetime, versus the
3: Cam Newton-led New England Patriots. So... I was I was really hoping that we would get two wins against the Patriots this year, but um, I'm going to say, again, we're going to split the home and home with the Patriots this year because uh, Adam Gase does have some success against the Patriots in his career. So I'm going to say we split the home and home this year. So I, I guess this, this is the at-home, so win for us on this one.
2: All right.
0: Week 10 at Adam Gase's former team, the Miami Dolphins.
3: At the Dolphins, I'm going to say L there. I'm going to, give, I'm going to say we go 3-3 three and three in division. Um, hard, tough division, man. Like, now this, I'm assuming Ryan Fitzpatrick is a starter. I think if Tua starts, unless he lights the league on fire, uh, like I said, young quarterbacks are usually snacks for a top-five defense. So if Tua starts, maybe we win this one. Uh, but I'm going to say L there.
2: All right.
0: Week 11, bye week. Week 12, home again versus the Miami Dolphins.
3: Yeah, coming off a of bye week, give us the give us a W there. All
0: right, week thirteen, you remain home Sunday versus the Las Vegas Raiders.
3: Uh, last year against the Raiders, the Jets probably put together their most complete game of the season. Uh, besides the game against the Redskins, that was probably another one that was uh, the, the one of the more telling matchups. I don't like the Raiders this year. I don't. I don't think there's going to be any. Much better, so I'm going to go with the W there. All right, week 14 at the Seattle Seahawks. Always always tough to play against the 12s. The only problem is, are the 12s even going to be there, right, because you never know. With the coronavirus is that I'm going to say L for right now, but it's going to be interesting to see what Seattle does at home this year without the 12s to to really have a tangible clue on what they do and the difference they make. So you really like the way the Jets match up with Seattle personnel-wise? I, I said L. Uh, I mean, obviously quarterback is not ideal because, you know, Russell Wilson is probably the second best quarterback in the league, in my opinion. Um, personnel-wise, look, they are a running team. They run first. The Jets are built to stop the run more than they are to stop the pass. So it's a good matchup in terms of defensively. Um, offensively, again, they're built to stop the run. Uh, the Jets are a run-first team, so it's not a great matchup. Offensively, uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to say Seattle takes a win here, but uh, close game.
0: All right, Week 15 to be determined at the new SoFi Stadium against the Los Angeles Rams.
3: I think the Rams take a uh, giant step back this year. I think uh, what you saw with the Rams. In 2000, when when they go to Super Bowl 17, uh, in 2017, was they strapped their cap in order to go for it right then, and they're in cap woes right now. They are they are selling off pieces like they're on a like Gary V's at their at their yard sale right now. So I, I think uh, yeah I think they take a step back and I think the Jets win that one. And what in what where are we at right now in terms of win losses because they're they're fighting for a playoff spot if I'm not mistaken at this point.
2: Murph. Yeah, eight wins right now, five losses or six losses. There you go.
0: All right, so week sixteen, home again versus the Odell Beckham led Cleveland Browns.
3: This is going to probably be a, a playoff matchup. Um, a play like to see who goes to the playoffs. Uh, this is week sixteen, you said. Yep. Ah, this is the toughest one so far. There's so many X factors. You know, like, how does the new Jets offensive line perform? How does the new Browns offensive line perform? Does Baker Mayfield take a step up after he had a down season last year? Does Sam Donald step up after he uh, had a down season last year? <sighs> um, hmm. Fuck it. I'm going to go win.
0: <laughs> all right. So then all playoff hopes possibly loom week 17. At the New England Patriots. How fitting is that that your playoff hopes come down to a week 17 matchup versus the Patriots?
3: Uh it's it's I think that this is what is destined to be, but like I said, I'm gonna give the home and home split against the Patriots and I'm gonna go with an L here. I think no. that the Patriots take it, unfortunately.
0: All right. So Murph, if I'm not mistaken, that puts the Jets at nine and seven, correct?
2: Didn't count.
0: All right. I did have to take off my shoes for that one, but I got it right, guys. <laughs> my my mother would be proud.
2: I think that's fair though. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I think I think nine and seven, uh, 10 and six. If you're if Sam Darnold takes a huge step up, uh, is what you should be expecting as a Jets fan this year. Uh, maybe an outside shot the playoffs. Hey, there's an extra playoff spot this year, so maybe an outside shot of one of those uh, one of those playoff spots. Personally, I think a lot hinges
0: on that rebuilt offensive line. It's pretty much rebuilt from the left to the right for the most part. You didn't spend money uh, getting a right tackle like Jack Conklin, but you did draft Makai Becton. I think again for the Jets on that offense, I think it comes down to whether or not that offensive line can play well together. I think you got the pieces at wideout, you got the running backs, you got the tight ends. Ryan Griffin even came in at the end of the year, really played really well with Sam Donald. I liked Sam Donald coming out. I talked about it today. I was hoping Sam Donald would have been a Giants pick at two. We took Saquon Barkley. So I I don't dislike him. I think the hate with Sam Donald comes down to not realizing what he is at a quarterback. I've always likened Sam Donald to more of a Brett Favre type of quarterback. He's a gunslinger, right? He's going to throw maybe 25 touchdowns, 30 touchdowns, but he's going to have somewhere in the range of 18, 20 interceptions. That's who Sam Donald is, but he's going to keep you in the game. He's going to keep throwing the ball. I like him as a quarterback. I think that the Jets, I do root for them. I think they're on the uptick. I like what you said about Joe Douglas. I think Joe Douglas is the right guy for the job. I don't have any faith in Adam Gase, though. So, it all depends what these, uh, this young defense can do as well. You spent a lot of money on that front last year. So, we'll see. 9-7, and seven. I don't put that out of the ballpark. I had the Jets last year somewhere, I believe, I predicted them
1: as 7-9 and nine or maybe even 9-7, and seven. so... I can definitely see it. You hit it on the head with in division, by the way. I talk about this all the time. I mean, if you want to, like, really take your team to the next level, you got to have a winning record in division for the most part. Right. It's hard to do. The Jets haven't done it since, I believe, 2010, which is now 10 years, long time. So I think a small victory would to be, you know, maybe sweep the Dolphins and not split some of those series or win one of those games on the road, especially if it comes down to Week 17 in New England. And that's what you need to be over 500 in the division. You'd like to hope that they win that game. But yeah, I think it starts in division and then maybe they scrap for that wild card spot.
3: A lot of X factors in the division too. Like if you're looking just around the division, a lot of people are just, were giving the division to the bills before Cam Newton signed with the Patriots. But the bills of last year remind me a lot of the bears of 2018, where you have a quarterback that's not accurate. He's kind of, a, a all or nothing runner first type quarterback um, with a strong arm, but is just inaccurate, doesn't make good decisions. So if he takes a Mitch Trubisky type fall, um, I think that that's going to be a downfall for the, for the bills. And all of a sudden a 10 and 16 looks like a six and 10 team, kind of like the bears did last year. Also they have a defense that had a lot of turnovers last year. And historically you can't really rely on repeating turnovers year after year after year. So It's going to be interesting to see with the Bills, the Dolphins, does Tua come in and light the world on fire or does he kind of play to his size and have a little bit of a, a, a down type start, especially with the injury and him missing college. And then Cam Newton, is he even, is he even the Cam Newton that we know, Or, or are we talking about a guy who two shoulder injuries later and an ankle injury later is just not the same dude. So, um, this division is up in the air and this division is up for grabs, a lot of things can go wrong, including the Jets. Does Sam Darnold take the next step? Does Jamal Adams leave? So a lot of questions in the AFC East. This could be the best division in football or the worst.
2: You guys have been waiting for this for how long? For this whole Patriots dynasty thing to crumble or come back to to life, you know? I I totally agree with you. The Bills, uh, I think the Bills are a very talented team. I like your comparison to the, uh, Bears, I might go as far as the 2016 Giants defense as well. I think they're going to be good, but I think that you're definitely right in the hunt there. And obviously, New England's the big question mark out of all of it.
0: So, Tim, thank you from Murph, Tino, and the Mage for joining the show today. Really appreciate it. Why don't you go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you again and the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast?
3: Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. It was a really fun, really fun time talking about the Jets here with you guys. Um, I can tell. I could tell. There's, when you're talking to New Yorkers, you can just tell. Um, so uh, you can find me. Brotofantasy.com is where you can find everything from Broto Fantasy. Fantasy season is heating up, so come check us out. Um, it's a podcast that I do with my brothers, Michael and Jason. That's why we call Broto. Let me see what we did there. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, the entire show at Broto Fantasy on Twitter or at Brotoff Tim. That's B R O T O F F Tim on Twitter. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's where you can find me. Come check us out. We are currently doing some uh, experts drafts with the Scott Fishbowl 10 and, uh, and some other industry wide drafts. So you could see us drafting against some of the best in the industry. Uh, come check us out. Yeah, hopefully, fantasy football championships for everybody. And
0: again, that is Broto, as in B R O T O, correct? Yes, sir. All right. Tim, thank you again so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. That's going to go ahead and wrap up this Dog Days of Summer episode with the New York Jets. Thank you for listening. Peace and love, everyone.